Well, good morning. It is a pleasure to be with you at Murray Hills. I appreciate Russ giving me this opportunity to share my story and what God has done. Uh, so, if you will, bear with me uh, with a little set of nerves this morning as I, uh, as I get started. Um, as Russ said, my name is Stephen McCollum. I was born and raised in the big city of Cornersville, Tennessee, uh, at exit 22 off of I-65, not too many miles away. I share with Timothy having the spiritual influence of my mother and grandmother, taking me to church three times a week at a minimum, and, uh, and I came to faith in Christ at the age of nine years old, had the chance to deliver my first message with the assistance of my pastor at the age of 11. There was a newspaper reporter present that morning and so there is a historical record that I, I'm not making this up, but he covered it in the, in the weekly paper that next week. There were 10 professions of faith that morning. 15 people rededicated their life to Christ. It was one of those few times in my childhood that my pastor was calling for assistance during the public invitation. And that so impressed upon my heart that God had a bigger plan than I could imagine. This led to me having annual opportunities to speak every year until uh, I graduated from high school. I surrendered to the gospel ministry and began Bible college while working two part-time jobs. And I began preaching at a small country church over in Giles County in January of 1988. And so now we come to, of course, there's ups and downs as there are in your life, there was in my life, but we come to the first crisis of faith that I want to share with you today. Crisis number one, on May the, in May of 2014, after I was working in my yard, I suffered a stroke. Come to find out the stroke was caused by a lemon-sized tumor in my right uh, aorta. And so it was called a right atrial myxoma. The surgeon said to my wife, he shouldn't be here. These are only found in autopsies. You should have found him. Well, the stroke because the PFO did not close in my heart at birth or after birth, it allowed the tumor to flake off because each time the valve was pumping and opening, the tumor was slipping down. So a piece of that tumor flaked off, went to my brain and caused a stroke. So crisis number one was, um, was that open heart surgery on May the 12th of 2014 when they didn't know Murray Regional is where I had the surgery and they had not seen a myxoma so they didn't know 
uh, how it was going to go. The surgeon from Vanderbilt came down and did, did amazing work, but he uh, removed the myxoma. That miracle would be followed by another miracle just two weeks later because I had blood collecting around my heart. So I took an emergency buggy ride to Vanderbilt and went into the operating room still awake because it was dangerous for me to be put to sleep in such a short time after the initial surgery. So they had to wait till the last minute and they put me to sleep and they drew the blood off. And so, miracle number two in a short period of time. So the first message this morning is to those who have either, they, it may be you or maybe a family member has had open heart surgery. And I can't emphasize enough the need for emotional, mental, and emotional support, um, physical support for well over a year after this surgery. It, it should not be taken lightly. It should not be shortcut. I'm yet to talk to a person that doesn't think they can bounce back faster, and I thought the same thing. I needed to share about that crisis to set the stage for the most important of the crisis that the Lord's had us face. On February the 25th, 2017, our son Colt, 23 years old, just proposed to his girlfriend the night before on her birthday. He was helping her parents cut down a tree. There was a light breeze blowing. It was a forked tree and they had cut one part of the fork and it had fallen over the fence and they notched the other part of the fork or the other fork uh, and and it was also to fall under over the fence but that light breeze caught it twirled it around and it fell back on top of Colt and so when it did they didn't understand it but it killed him instantly they immediately began life-saving measures. Now that'll be important because we eventually, after going to the county hospital, wind up at Vanderbilt and they take you to a conference room, which is not a good sign. And in the conference room, they say the, the most difficult words that I've ever heard. They said, your, your son's injuries are incompatible with life. It was one of those statements that when it's made, I, I said, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't understand. So they said it again. And then they walk out of the room. The emotions are flowing and the entire family gathered around the conference table 
And two nurses come in and they say, your son was in perfectly good health. We would like to talk to you about organ donation. Well, that's the second message this morning to everyone that's not already an organ donor. My oldest daughter helped us make the decision. And she said, Colt would say, if I'm not going to use the organs, don't put them in the ground if somebody else needs them. Let them have them. Never had it occurred to me before that moment that there were people praying for this decision. There's people in need of an organ and the only way that you can get a healthy receive a healthy organ someone healthy has to die and you're praying that they have made the decision to make that donation I will say I'm thankful that we made that decision eight people received organs one of those being a preacher receiving a lung so I'm pretty excited to think that Colt's lung is preaching the gospel I'll tell you how difficult it was to walk away because obviously they through through the the marvel of medicine they have to keep everything looking on the machines like the individual is alive to keep the organ alive and ready for until it's time to remove it and and then give it to its new the to the recipient so hard to walk away from that hospital bed when the monitors indicated there was life the doctors had assured us through a series of hours and hours and hours of test that there was no brain activity and he was gone but it was so hard to walk away And that's our family on uh, Christmas before the accident in February. Uh, obviously, my children have grown up and things have changed. I've also grown out just a little bit more, but uh, we'll go to the next picture and you'll see the, the kids now. Uh, Bryant, who attends here at Murray Hills, thank you, by the way, for loving on my son. Uh, but he uh, just graduated in May, and Alana is in eighth grade at Zion. And that's our daughter, Kayla. And Drew is uh, just over a year old. He is named after
his uncle. Um, so, we embarked that day on a journey no parent ever wants to take. The grief journey. I've come to understand I'll be on this journey for the rest of my life. And I can attest to the fact that I grieve Colt differently today than I did at first. Some call it better. Some call it easier. I would like to agree just to call it different. It's largely due to a ministry called Grief Share. And I would like to take this opportunity to commend Grief Share to Murray Hills Church. It's a ministry that's needed on an ongoing basis. People need a place to turn when they are ready because grief is unique. I have no doubt that this morning in a crowd this size, there are those of you who are grieving the loss of a loved one and maybe you've been doing so for years and you haven't dealt with the grief and you're doing no one, yourself nor anyone else, any favors by delaying that grief recovery. It is a process, it is work. And you have to lean into that grief. You have to turn, matter of fact, run to God. Well, I was a pastor. The Lord had worked two miracles for me in May of 2014 that I didn't even know I needed. And yet, a light breeze and really, in my estimation of trees, a rather small tree had taken our son. And I was angered, confused. Let's be honest, I was offended. I was offended that God had taken my son. I felt like through Christian school and pastoring, I was serving God 24-7. What else do you want me to do? I wanted to run in the house and close the blinds and, and quit all my jobs. But God said, Stephen, you've told everyone that things happen that I might be glorified. How am I going to be glorified if you run in the house, close the blinds, and don't talk to anybody? And I said, Father, the problem is I can't talk without crying. I can't imagine moving on. Well, he impressed upon me I had to do the next right thing. And sometimes that's all you know to do is just the next right thing people talk about living one day at a time sometimes it's one hour at a time well 
as God would, he answered. Because I wanted to know why. But I knew that he was not going to tell me why. But what he did do is he brought his word to me. Remember now, I'm trying to pastor, but I don't want to pray. I'm trying to pastor and minister the word of God, but I don't want to really read it. I'm working off of prior knowledge. I'm admitting to you folks the struggle that this pastor went through when the storms blew and things were shaken. So I'm riding in my car and I hear a sermon on Moody Radio from Pastor Colin Smith. And so let's look at that sermon. Act on what you know and leave the rest to God. You can find it in, with, on an app, Unlocking the Bible. Act on what you know and leave the rest to God. In the next few minutes, I'm going to run through the points real quick, but I want you to hear the truth of what's shared. Okay? It felt like he was speaking just to me. And he said, you have to live with what God has kept secret by trusting what God has revealed. You see, it's not part of faith to have an answer to every question. And then he turned to Deuteronomy 29, 29. I didn't expect it. But it says the secret things belong to the Lord. And the things which are revealed belong to us and our children forever that we may do all the words of this law. Pastor Colin Smith suggested you create a secret things file in your heart and in your mind. And when things happen that you just don't understand, you have more questions than answers, you put it in the secret things file. Well, the secret things belong to the Lord, and the Lord to whom they belong is my loving heavenly Father. See, living by faith means accepting the limits of revelation as well as affirming the reality of our salvation. While I don't understand, I trust. Faith lives with unanswered questions. Faith bows before the mystery of what God has, hid, has kept hidden, stands on the promise of what God has revealed. And the revealed things belong to us and our children. 
There's, they're given to you so you may stand, listen to this, to stand during the times you don't understand. He then began to give examples. Now, all of that was resonating with me. I'm like, okay, Lord, I'm hearing you. I'm hearing you. But then he began to give examples, and he said, Secrets of the Lord, number one, the future of your children. It was one of those moments I was like, really, Lord? You're going to make it that personal? The secret, the future of your children. Acts 2.29, what does it say? It says, the, this, the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Well, here's the fact. As a pastor over the years, I had preached and preached and preached countless funerals and comforted people in the loss of their loved one. But I was forgetting to apply the scripture to my life. I was forgetting how many times I had preached that we're not promised tomorrow. I was forgetting that life is a vapor. And the promise of God is to me and it's to my children. God's not picking on me. He's actually treating me just the same as everyone else the second example and these are not this is not an exhaustive list but the second example the reason for your suffering in Romans 8 19 says I reckon the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us the reason for your suffering the third example, the manner of your death, secret things that belong to the Lord, the manner of your death. 2 Corinthians 5.8 says, we're confident, I say, rather to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. And Paul said in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 21, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Well, number four kind of surprised me, but I agree with it. Secret things that belong to the Lord, the salvation of your loved ones. This is a precious word from Isaiah. Isaiah 65.1 lets us know something we can hold on to. Did you know God saves God saves those who aren't even looking to be saved. Isn't that wonderful? That grace of God that he's searching for you and he's calling you before you're even looking for him. I want to read Isaiah 65, 1 to you. I want to make sure if it's going to pop up. But Isaiah 65 and verse
He says in Isaiah 65, 1, I am sought of them that ask not for me. I am found of them that sought me not. I said, behold me, behold me unto a nation that was not called by my name. The salvation of your loved ones. The fifth example of the secret things, the events of tomorrow. Now, you're very familiar with Jesus' words in Matthew 6, how he told the disciples, don't worry about tomorrow, what you'll eat or what you'll drink or the clothes that you'll wear. And he used as examples in, uh, in the following verses after verse 25, he used the flowers of the field or the birds of the air and how God cared for each of them. But then in verse 33, he gave this word, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. The events of tomorrow, a secret thing that belongs to the Lord. But we can stand on his promise that if we seek him first, he's going to take care of all that we need. Number six, the outcome of your ministry. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know your labor is not in vain in the Lord. The outcome of your ministry. And then last example is the progress of your Christian life. Perhaps because of a physical ailment, Perhaps because of grief, some type of loss. Maybe there's a different storm that's blown in your life. You're wondering, what kind of progress am I making? I'll share with you that all the counsel that I had given over the years, I'm sitting in that conference room at Vanderbilt and I'm hearing I'm feeling all the natural things that you would think a dad would feel and if you remember the cartoons and the angel would be on one side and the devil would be on the other side so the the devil I'm, I'm hearing all the fleshly things that a dad would normally feel. But then the angel on this side is giving all the comfort and all the scripture that I've spoken over the years to other people. And this is the war that is taking place in my mind and in my heart. While I'm sitting in this conference room with family who are on every part of the spectrum emotionally hearing and dealing with the reality of what's happening in our life and then the Lord brought to mind Job and I drive back from Nashville at four o'clock in the morning and I'm Telling my wife, Job lost all of his children. 
at the same time. And the scripture says that he worshiped the Lord. I've lost one child. And I'm not feeling worship right now. I'm struggling with how did he do that. And this is what I want to make sure everybody hears. There was nothing about me and my situation and how I was feeling that God didn't already know. He was more aware of it than I was of myself. And instead of trying to run from God, I ran to him. Instead of trying to hide anything, I left it all out in the open. And I really like order, and I like check boxes, and I like completing things. But I came to understand that there aren't check boxes to mark off with grief. You don't just go through a stage and say, okay, I'm done. I won't visit that stage again. Sometimes you keep coming back. If you ask my wife, she'll say that I camped out in anger for about two years. I'd like to think it wasn't that long, but I lived it. So I think she's probably right. And I revisited it so often during that time. But I want to remind you how important it is we hold on to that promise in Romans 8:28 right that says and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God to those who are the called according to his promise or purpose we hold on to that promise what about the verse right before that it's the verse right before that a couple of verses before that, verse 26, 27, that, that says there's times that we need to pray and we don't know what to say. We don't know how to pray. But the Holy Spirit of God makes intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. And he prays exactly according to the will of God on our behalf. So guys, there were times that I would go before the Lord and I would just sit quietly before him. And I had to confess my anger and I had to confess my offense and, and confess my resentment and confess my jealousy when I saw other dads with their sons. I had to confess it all. The Lord knew it anyway. But I had to confess what I was feeling. But I had to say, Lord, if you're going to use me, if you're going to use this, you've got to give me peace. And I've got to understand why this happened. What is the purpose? And he said, the purpose, Stephen, is that I will be glorified. And I'll be glorified if you get over yourself, clean up your pity party, and tell your story. Because 1 John 3, 2. 
says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. It doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. That next verse. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. He said, Stephen, you're, you're my child. You've come through Christ. You came through me. And the Heavenly Father has received you and made you a, a child of God. And he hadn't abandoned you in this. He's going to use this for his glory. So here's the invitation today, the call for us to respond in Matthew 11. All things are delivered unto me of my Father, Jesus said, and no man knows the Son but the Father. Neither knoweth any man the Father save the Son, and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest you see even on the cross Jesus acknowledged the secret things of God you remember what he said he said my God my God why have you forsaken me But he grabbed hold of the promise when he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Maybe today you want to find God and you're not sure where to look. You're troubled that the storms of life have blown. You want to have faith, you don't know how to get started. Hear this invitation again, come unto me with all your unanswered questions and believe the promise he has revealed and I will give rest unto your soul. Will you bow your heads with me? This morning. If it's a physical issue that you have experienced, will you lift that to the Lord right now? Pray once again for his healing. Thank him for the blessing of medicine and the doctors that have ministered to you. But give God the glory for bringing healing. Thank him in advance for the healing that will come. Perhaps it's an emotional relationship issue that has blown a storm through your life. And will you take that to Jesus? Will you give it to him and say, Lord, through this, I want you to be glorified. I'm coming to you because I am tired more out and I need rest for my soul and maybe this morning you're grieving and you're grieving the loss 
of a loved one and you want to say, Lord, I need to heal. I've got to learn a new normal. I've got to move forward. Will you bring that to him? He knows where you are. He knows exactly where you are, whatever the circumstance. But he's waiting for you to come to him. He's arms wide open to receive you. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the opportunity to share this story. The psalmist said we live our life as a tale that is told. And Lord, you know, I had written a novel for Colt, and you wrote a short story. Thank you for what you have taught me in these last five years. Give me, Father, the, the courage, the strength to continue to share the story. I pray, Father, for anyone under the sound of my voice, whatever the circumstances causing them to struggle, that they will lay that burden at your feet and lean hard upon you, hold tight to your word, and find rest for their soul. Be with us all as we go from this place through this week ahead. Help us, Lord, to act on what we know and leave the rest to you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for your presence this morning and for giving me the opportunity to share with you. I pray God's blessings upon you until we meet again. You're dismissed. If you are encouraged by today's talk, feel free to share it with your friends. Please also consider rating and subscribing on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. To learn more, please visit us online at murrayhills.com.